This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. City are finally back in action with a showdown of the unbeatens in East London. We'll take a look at how City are shaping up after the international break. Gareth Southgate's controversial comments about Phil Foden and plenty more. It's Wednesday, September 13th. I'm Adam Booker. I'm George Gamble. I'm Andrew Detmer. And this is a City Report podcast. Welcome back to the show, gents. Andrew, how are things? They're good. Um, you know, summer's rapidly coming to a close, which is sad in many ways. However, I no longer uh, immediately die from heat and humidity when I walk outside of the house. So that is a market improvement. We had a bit of a false fall this past week. All of a sudden, it dropped into uh, pretty reasonable fall temperatures. We got some nice color on the leaves. And then all of a sudden, I checked the forecast and we have a 93 degree day coming up, which for our British listeners, I believe is like mid 30s uh, Celsius. So that's going to be disgusting for a couple of days. But I think fall is coming around the bend. But speaking of uh, Fahrenheit to Celsius conversions, George, you are Back in the UK after a long stint in the US, what was that like? Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, uh, I still don't know the conversions from Fahrenheit to Celsius. I'll be honest with you. Even whilst I was there, people were saying it was this much Fahrenheit. I was like, yeah, that's that's. I, I can feel it's hot. I don't need to know what the official <laughs> thing is. But but the the one thing that because I you know it's the second time I've been out there for that period of time, but I can't get over just the sheer differences. One day it's ridiculously sunny, ridiculously hot, but then that evening. I was staying in a cabin, but just the thunderstorms and lightning were insane things. You know, you don't get that in the UK. So that was one difference. But um, but no, I was quite happy. As soon as I landed back in the UK, bright sunshine, very, very hot. 
So and it's kind of what I've been used to. But um, but yeah, it's, it's started to go a bit downhill. The great guys are, are coming in now, so it's back to the old England that I love. You were staying though, in in for the benefit of the listeners, in Connecticut, which the Northeast has notoriously yep. fickle weather. It can go from snow to sun to rain to dry in in a matter of hours. So, um, yeah, it, it's. I wouldn't say it's a bad place for weather because there's much worse weather in the U.S., mm. but it is, is certainly fickle weather. Um, we'll, we'll move on to the football because we're going to make this one quick today because we still are, unfortunately, on the international break. Um, Andrew, you enjoy international breaks at all? I mean, I, look, it, it's fine. I, I don't I don't hate them the way I think a lot of football fans maybe do. Um, part of that may be that as an American, my first – entry into the sport was international football. The the U.S. men and the U.S. women were far more of a team that I watched as a child compared to, I think, a lot of Europeans who, for the most part, don't really care other than, you know, the World Cup or the Euros or whatnot. Um, I do actually, I mean, I tend to watch most of the international teams for the U.S. men, um, thankfully, I couldn't watch uh, last week's game, and I'm very happy with that because there was a goal at the beginning, and there were two goals in stoppage time at the end, and nothing else happened in the middle. So, Well, it doesn't help that we've automatically qualified for the next World Cup with it being hosted yeah. here, of course, and basically the only useful football, international football we have in this country is the World Cup qualifying uh, schedule, and, and obviously we don't have that, but... George, as an Englishman, I feel like it's really torn. I know, I know some people are love following England and some just couldn't care less. Yeah, I'm very firmly in the camp of I absolutely hate it. But I think that's because, you know, I spend a while looking forward to the new season starting. You feel like you're starting to build some momentum with the season in general and then bang, international break. And it's like, oh, really? So you've got to kind of wait again. And there's obviously another one in October. So for me, it's I want to get the season underway. I want to get it started, a good chunk of it, you know, without the international sprinkled in so early on. Um, but then saying that, you know, obviously right now you've got England against Scotland. There's a, there's a healthy little rivalry there. A lot of, you know, myself, I know quite a few people from Scotland. So it's always interesting to have that little debate. Um, so, you know, it does have obviously those subplots, which is quite interesting and quite fun. But ultimately for me, this early in the season, I just want club football. And the fact that my initial feeling when I know there's an international break coming up, isn't one of it, of excitement. It's very much uh, met with a groan. I think kind of speaks volumes to, to how I feel about them. I feel like we should well, just combine those two, like this international break with the one in October into just a month of international football in the fall. Like Arsenal, get it Denver, all out of the way. Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. And it's probably better for the international teams. Like I'm sure, and the players, I'm sure if you asked the managers and the players, like, would you rather have these two little weird weeks in the middle of, beginning of your season for the most part if you're playing in Europe or would you rather just have a month where you could work together kind of every single day and play maybe one more match but have way less travel and kind of you know I think lots of things that people don't realize that probably contribute to players being fatigued like I feel like that just would work better and it's like okay if you don't like international football would you rather just have one month where you know you're just not watching anything or would you rather be like oh I'm getting excited international football oh, i'm getting excited international football yeah it does. So i might be wrong i might be wrong but is there another one in november as well i'm not sure if they're sprinkled up through the throughout the next couple of months i think there so, is yeah yeah so it's, it's one of them i mean i think for me a month long of it after waiting all season uh sorry all a lot of the summer for, for the new season to start 
I don't know if I'd then a month of international straight away. Uh, but saying that, you know, it's, it's first world problems, isn't it? I'm a, I'm a fo- I love football. I'm a fan that loves to watch along. It's obviously what works best for them. But, you know, I think it's a good point. I'm just not sure how it would work out. Well, I hate to break it to you, George, because we are going to stay talking <laughs> about international football for a second. But we will relate it to City. And, and obviously, one of the kind of hot topics on the City sphere right now is is Gareth Southgate's comments on Phil Foden earlier this week. And, um you know, talking about Foden and where he fits into the England team, he said, quote, he doesn't play there, meaning in midfield for his club. So presumably there is a reason for that, end quote. What do you make of those comments, George? Because obviously, you know, the England setup is a bit different to uh, to City. There's no Kevin De Bruyne. There's no Mateo Kovacic. There's no Rodri for, for, for Phil Foden to dislodge at England. Um, is he getting a bit of unfair stick from from old waistcoat there? For me, definitely. Absolutely, definitely. You know, the fact that it's even the way that it's worded makes me laugh. I'm not sure if it's just obviously coming across in kind of a nonchalant way or a bit of a joke, but presumably there's a reason for that. Like, it just kind of speaks volumes for me. I've always thought Gareth Southgate's been a poor appointment. I I just didn't understand it. He's got no prestige for me. You know, you look at previously, he's he's managed Barrow. Like, what? what does he have? He's not got that winning mentality. He's not been there and done it and can kind of bring something to the role. And yes, for, okay, England have moved forward. We've got to finals. We've done this, but we've still got nothing to show for it at all. And he's shown time and time again, is he's kind of tactically inept at times, doesn't quite know what changes to make to kind of change the game. Um, so yeah, for me, it was laughable when he said, presumably there's a reason for that. Like, yes, Gareth, because one of the best midfielders the league has ever seen in Kevin De Bruyne plays there. And, you know, obviously he's still very young. He's still learning a lot. But he is one of the best that we have in that position. And for me, I personally feel in this when he's playing centre mid, no one can take a ball on a half term half turn in world football better than Phil Foden. We saw it, you know, against Inter Milan when he took about what two players out with one turn and was unlucky not to score. But with the system that we use, he, he tends to drift in centrally anyway, because obviously it creates that space for the fullback to to overload and overlap him. Um yeah. I mean, he stuck James Madison out on the left of a three against Ukraine, despite the fact he's been unbelievable for Spurs in the middle so far this season when he's played there. I think four goals and assists in as many Premier League games when Madison's played there. So, you know, he's not got an issue with putting people where they, you know, he thinks maybe all right, they may be better off there. I just don't understand it. And for me, Gareth Southgate advising where he thinks Phil Foden's best position is, is like me telling Max Verstappen how to navigate the corners in the F1. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but he's just got no business doing that at all. And, I will die on the hill that Gareth Southgate is not the man for England. I don't think he should be there at all. But this is what's beautiful about football. We're all open to opinions and we're all entitled to our opinions. And yeah, I just, I can't take anything he says seriously. And I think that battle sums it up for me. I mean, at least he has a fantastic smile and um, that's all you really need at international football. So Andrew, do you agree with George um, or does Gareth Southgate have a point? Phil doesn't typically play in midfield at City. Why should he play there for England? I mean, so I think there's a difference between does he have a point, which I, he's correct that Phil does not typically play in midfield for us. Now, football in terms of positioning, just I think people get too hung up on formations um, compared to how that actually works out in practice. But Phil is obviously one of England's most bright and talented players. And I think that the issue... The issue is, is that what Southgate did was actually bridge the gap between the golden generation that England had 
and then this current generation where there are lots of really talented players. And I think it would be pretty hard to argue that he did not overachieve with the crop of players he had for the majority of his reign. The problem is, is that those players are either no longer playing football at a high level, see Jordan Henderson, they're not playing at all, see Calvin Phillips and Harry Maguire, but he is loyal to them. And I think there is a value in the way that Southgate built up a sense of camaraderie around the English national team, given how toxic the golden generation was. But I don't think he's the right person for the next kind of evolution. So to me, it does make sense that he and England are looking to move on. Let's move on to real football. And yes, I'm going to call it real football. And City obviously have a showdown with West Ham away this weekend. Um, Two unbeaten teams. West Ham have kind of had a sneaky good start to the season. But let's look at it from the City point of view. And, And I want to look at the lineup because if you go back to the last game before the international window, obviously it was the 5 1 win over Fulham. And you look at that midfield and attack, and it's Kovacic, Doku, Alvarez, Foden, Holland. I mean, George, that is about as direct as you can get from a city, you know, front five, front six. Um, considering the last few years, we're used to seeing players like Jack Grealish and Riyad Mahrez and players that, you know, can slow things down and set the tempo. Um, is that something you expect to see going forward, whether it's against, against just against West Ham or long term going forward to see this more attacking, almost speedy attack? Yeah, I think it's definitely a component where we're trying to look at, you know, being able to call upon. If you look at, you know, the different pe- sides that Pep has had and the different sides that he's kind of built, there's always been something different. They're always they're ever evolving, always trying to change things. You know, it's it's a typical example of when you win something, if you're not improving, you're falling behind. If you you know, you're, if you're staying still, you're falling behind because people play catch up and they get wired to the things you're trying to do and that's why I think having Pep is just such a big thing because he's an innovator. He's always looking to change things, looking to add something new. And when we signed Jeremy Doku, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when we were first linked with him, what I remember from Doku is when I first saw him come on for Belgium against Italy. And I remember the time thinking, this lad's frightening. Like, he's just so quick, so tricky, and he's so direct, as you said. So I definitely think that's maybe something we're trying to lean towards because I'd argue we'd not had a player of that profile since Leroy Sane. Um, obviously is it buying now and yeah so I'm really interested to see I mean trying to second guess Pep and trying to think what he's trying to do is it's useless because you just don't know what he's going to do next and that's what makes him so brilliant but I certainly think he's trying to change something obviously Mahrez has gone now and as you've said players that like to you know just control the tempo of the game carry possession just keep the ball ticking over and very patient trying to find their openings and, and not trying to force the issue in any manner I think yeah definitely and I it's going to be interesting to see what the evolution is throughout the season because as you know we've seen plenty of times it doesn't the team that you see in the latter stages of a season is rarely the same as the one that starts the season there's a lot of tinkering there's a lot of you know, trial and error until pep decides upon something that actually you know this is working i'm going to stick with this so it's really going to be interesting to see but yeah obviously jack jack Reese is injured at the moment as well so i think we could potentially see see doku once again um He's a really exciting talent. I wasn't sure if we were going to touch upon it or not, but I'm really looking forward to seeing how Doku... Because um, we in the previous game, we saw kind of fits and starts of what he's capable of. They were, they were so far back, it was very difficult for him to to kind of, you know, really try and beat a man. But on the other occasion, you saw it happen. And yeah, I'm excited to see how he gets on. But in terms of your original question, yeah, I definitely think that's a, a route we're going to see going forward. I think going back to being more direct, for sure. 
Yeah, I think with Doku, the, we're probably going to see the best of his abilities in transition. Um, and like you said, mm-hmm. teams like Fulham that are going to come to the Etihad and, and sit in and, and um, you know, bunker in their own half. We're not going to see the best of him. But yep. I think maybe off the bench as a sub late in games, if you have a lead and, and the teams do have to open themselves up a bit more, then we'll really see the best of him. But Andrew, are we seeing a little bit of an evolution here with the Doku signing and the Kovacic signing and, and Nunez? And if you think about these players that are that they're coming in to replace, Mares, Gundogan, players like that. I mean, it's certainly not like for like changes. Um, is there a little bit of a hint of the next evolution of Pep City at the moment? Yes, but I think it's not just Pep City. I think it's actually big six teams in general. Um, and there have been some really great articles. Um, Sam Lee wrote one in The Athletic talking about how City have gotten really good at dribbling. Um, and bringing in players that can do that this summer. Um, and others have commented that this is more of a wide trend, but a lot of it is that teams have begun to develop better out of possession structures to deal with what city have done. Um, and you've seen more teams adapting to try to do that with that also means that teams that are need to learn how to defend it, the more opportunities you have to defend it, you learn and see what works. And it does make sense that, especially with a player like Erling Holland in the team, being able to beat a man and move the ball more quickly and more directly just allows Holland to be kind of fed the ball into space where he's absolutely lethal. Um, I think particularly if you've noticed this season, City will have a lot of opportunities where they've got five players up top against five defenders. And so if you get the ball to someone like Doku and he beats his man, well, suddenly it's maybe five on four, potentially, you know, no defenders at all between, you know, Holland and Doku and the keeper and the goal. So it, it does just really open up, I think, a way to use some of the team's strengths. It obviously comes with some drawbacks, which we saw in the last match. And we saw that someone like Doku, you know, he, if you are more direct the way he is, you are going to have potentially more, negative moments than you would with someone like Mares, who just kind of keeps the ball recycles it if something isn't on. So there's definitely a good evolution there. I think it's exciting. Um, it is going to be more fun to watch than, uh, you know, pass, 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 which tended to be city under pep with Mares and Grealish in the wings, but it's definitely going to be an adjustment, I think for fans and for the team to figure out how to do this. Andrew mentioned it there, George, but how much of this potential evolution that we're seeing comes down to starting to build a team around Erling Holland? Because I think, you know, obviously the team played around him last year because he he is the focal point of your attack. But, you know, he came into what was already a settled squad um, with a lot of veterans, a lot of players that have been here for five, six, seven years. Um, but are we kind of now going into an era in which the signings we're seeing, especially in attack, and I think you could count in midfield as well, like with Kovacic um, and his ability to to break lines with with his passing ability. Is the, are these signings now essentially for Erling Haaland? I I don't know if they're necessarily for Erling Haaland. I think the reason, in my view, you know, Pep is one of, and certainly the argument for one of the greatest managers of all time, is because he's able to try and find situations that will allow everyone as a whole to get you know to get the best out of themselves so that includes Erling Haaland and that is what Pep tries to identify he tries to find those things that for example for me 
Kovacic has already become a key comp- key component to this side, in my view. Um, you know, I was obviously gutted when when Ilkay left, but Kovacic for that price, I think, has slotted in perfectly. And too many people, I think, made the mistake with Kovacic of thinking, oh, well, he's an Ilkay replacement. He's not going to score the goals that Ilkay Gundogan scored. Not realising that, in fact, actually, he's probably more of a, a shield and it gives Rodri more licence to go forward. And as we've already seen this season, he's excellent. And that's just an, one example of how an addition or a little tweak that Pep's decided to make has allowed someone else to make a step forward. And the likes of Doku and you know other players as well. I think it allows everyone to get the best out of themselves and it's ever-changing. And I feel like with that, Erling Haaland is getting more support and because of the signs that are more direct, I think it's allowing Erling Haaland to be released quicker, which is what we want. It's been far too often I saw last season. Yeah, I say this far too often, but you know, look at the goals he scored last season. It was insane. Um, I just think there was too many times that he was one of a number of people, you know, and the opportunity to put him in had been lost. And we were saying so many times last season, look, look at that run that Haaland's made. No one's found him yet. And I think Pep identified that. So being able to be more direct will allow us to release him earlier. Um, but yeah, so for me, I don't necessarily think it's just for Erling Haaland. I think it's just a natural evolution and Pep wants to try and change things, like I said previously. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's difficult to, in this city side, just unless, you know, unless you're Lionel Messi in his younger days, it's difficult to just try and build around one player. It's a very cohesive unit and you need everyone to be performing at their best. So if Pep can find a way of making everyone play at their best and trying to change things to allow other people to move forward, I think it can only be a good thing. All right, that'll do for part one. In a moment, we'll be back to continue to look ahead to the West Ham game this weekend. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The Etihad Stadium really is wonderful at this time of the season, and the same goes for McDelivery. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. If you are new here, please hit follow, hit subscribe, leave a rating, leave a review. That is the best way for us to get this show out to more blues like you. Andrew, looking ahead to this weekend, and I want to kind of cast our gaze a little bit further down the schedule as well with with Champions League returning in the midweek. How much is that going to play a role in Pep's thinking as far as the lineup goes now, I think it's worth mentioning that we're recording this um, in the midst of the Tuesday international fixtures, and there are a ton of City players in action. So we don't know what the kind of injury report is going to be after that. But we did get word this morning that Mateo Kovacic may have picked up a knock on uh, on Croatia duty, could be out as, as up to 10 days. Um it's been, you know, widely mentioned how thin this squad is, and it's only a number of a number of injuries away from catastrophe. Um, 
are we going to see a lot of rotation because there's Champions League on the following Tuesday? Is there rotation that you can even do? I, there's absolutely rotation that you can do. And I've been someone banging the drum about the fact that the squad being quote unquote thin, I think is just a lot of people not understanding that the squad is deeper than it looks. It's just a matter that we're now, there's a lot of players that play multiple roles um, and we lose some of that flexibility, but I do think there's plenty of players available. Stones will be back from injury. Grealish is not supposed to be out um, after the international break. Um, Ake, the injury risk about him is apparently that he should be fine and ready to go. So, you know, yes, things could get catastrophically bad, but we're not one or two injuries away from having a problem. I want to um, I want to challenge you on what you said, though, because I hear you when you say the squad is deeper than you think because a number of players can play multiple positions. But that doesn't that doesn't mean depth, does it? Because if you take a player out of position to fill another hole, then you're you're leaving another hole that needs to be filled. No. So, yes, but you have to realize that Pep has never wanted a deep squad. Like, we've had more people in the squad, theoretically, in the first team, but they typically, they maybe only get minutes in the first couple months, and then they're not being touched at all. And so if we have more guys... And then they end up at Arsenal, don't they? <laughs> but, I mean, but the ones we send to Arsenal are the ones who, they are the the rotation guys. Yeah. But, it, you know, even after those rotation guys, there were oftentimes people in the squad that Pep wouldn't use. Now what we have is a squad where Pep is actually probably more likely to rotate people in and out, but they'll continue to actually play throughout the season. So for me, I, I don't think that's much of an issue. Also, let's be honest, playing Red Star Belgrade at home, I don't think Pep is particularly concerned about our ability, and we should be able to beat them even if we play someone like it's, Oscar Bob on the wing. I mean, it's still 90 minutes in the legs of whoever's playing, though. Oh, absolutely. But I don't think those 90, it's not those 90 minutes now that are the problem. There is a cumulative effect. And so you do have to be mindful of that. But I would imagine that particularly given we were finding, we were in good form and we got the international break, I would expect a pretty strong lineup just because Pep will want the guys continuing to build form and build into, you know, being the team Pep wants them to be come the, you know, festive fixtures. Yeah, that, that makes sense. George, we haven't heard from you, obviously, because you've been in the States and are just now back on the show. But if, in your opinion, is the squad a little bit thin? And and obviously, you know, I think numbers-wise, it's basically identical to last season, even maybe a player or two stronger, depending on who you consider true first-team players. Um, but with Champions League on the horizon, maybe one or two injuries that we've seen on international break um, – I mean, are we kind of on, on thin ice here? I mean, I certainly don't believe all opposition fans will say City have essentially got two first teams that can challenge this. Oh, that's definitely not true. Um, but likewise, I don't think we're a couple of injuries away from disaster at all. I'm not in that camp either for me. Um, but in terms of, you know, in terms of obviously the game coming up, I do have to agree. I think there'll be a fairly strong lineup. I, I just think we've got enough quality and the beautiful thing about City and I've always kind of said this I'm very much a believer that when you build a philosophy at a club where you know youth are coming through of it you know that's all they know it becomes second nature to them and the beauty with being able to rotate is you still play the same way you don't have to change you know for example we're not oh we've got 
say Erling Haaland wasn't the machine that he is up top, or he's tall, we're going to have to start playing long ball instead. We don't have to do that. We're able to rotate and we're able to rotate the way that we do because we follow that philosophy. And that is what how we read the rewards. So for West Ham, the West Ham game, I think we will go strong. I think, as we've seen before and we've heard before, the league is the bread and butter. That is the one that we need to be performing in. That's the one that we need to be going out to win every single year. With the Champions League, you need a little bit of luck. But as Andrew said, with you know no disrespect to them at all, but I don't think Pep will be looking at that Champions League fixture and thinking, no, we need to have some serious people. You know, we should be winning that game. Simple as that. And it wouldn't surprise me if we see a strong lineup for West Ham and maybe the likes of, you know, Sergio Gomez, Rico Lewis, possibly even, you know, those kind of players come in for for that Champions League game. And then we've got the opportunity to change things if things aren't going quite right. So for me, I think it's, I don't think we need to worry so much about having a balancing act at the moment and, you know, wrapping people in cotton wool at all. I don't, I think our squad's good enough and, as we've seen as well, Pep does like working with that small squad and he loves being able to get the best out of them and with a few additions here and there. So, yeah, it's a difficult one for me. I'm neither in the camp of we've got a very thin squad, but also I'm not in the one that we've got a load of depth either. Um, so I'm very much sitting on the fence here. But, yeah, I, th- I think it's OK. I like the squad that we've got. I like the depth of it, as it were, unless we're hampered with you know a curse of some sort where we just get an abundance of injuries to some key first-teamers, which... You know, it's, while it's not impossible, it's not exactly likely. So, you know, three or four key players get injured. Uh, but no, I, I, th- I think we'll be okay. And obviously, we don't know when Kevin De Bruyne's returning. And I'm not even sure if you know when, when Jack Grealish is returning. And hopefully, he should be okay um, to come back in. But but yeah, I, th- I think we'll be all right. Sounds like the porridge is just right for you, uh, George. <laughs> As always. Just one final thing, Andrew. We mentioned the Kovacic injury um assuming we don't see him against west ham is this time for a mateus nunez uh debut or is he still you know kind of too young in the eyes of the squad well i mean doku got to play um true you know basically pretty quickly um and you know with less time to have bedded himself into manchester city so i i think it would be a good opportunity to bed him in. Um, West Ham is obviously a quality opponent. Um, I was very nervous that by selling Rice, they may have doomed themselves, but they have spent that money really, really well. And uh, Pakita looks like he is a man on a mission um, after his move to Manchester City fell through some through some unfortunate circumstances, although still a little crazy to me that player can be uh, under investigation for what he has been accused of and still continue to play. Um, Cause that is not something Listen, that would happen in a in world America. where you, yeah. In a world where you can be <laughs> under investigation for just about anything and still run for president. I think he could uh, kick a ball around for 90 minutes. Hey, I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm just saying it's a little wild to me that you could be accused of match, essentially match fixing and, no one is going to stop you from playing. I'm sorry. Are you still talking about the election or are we talking about football? (laughs) Exactly. Um, But no, I mean, I think it's going to be an important game. So city need to come out with a strong lineup. Um, But I, I see no issue with playing a guy like him. And I, I would be excited to see what he offers because he was a really highly regarded talent before he got sucked into the shit show portal that has been wolves for about two seasons now. Absolutely. It would be very exciting to see him play. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, the alliance of West Hamchester City is strong enough that, that both teams come out with three points anyways. So that'll do for us today. Thank you very much for tuning in. As I mentioned earlier, please hit follow, hit subscribe, leave a rating, leave a review. George, thank you very much. 
No, thank you. It's been great to be back once again. I look forward to seeing you again soon. Andrew, thank you. Pleasure as always. Until next time, see you later. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end of season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running. And just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.